Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church, this, this wonderful Trinity Sunday. It is also Memorial Day weekend, a sacred time of remembering, and we are going to spend time talking about that, praying about that, and thinking about that in light of our scripture lessons this morning. I want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you for your prayers for Jill and Jake. I uh, will read a message from Jill a little bit later in the service. I have set up a website where if you would like to bring meals to Jill or Jake, uh, you can sign up so that we don't have everyone bringing meals all in the same day. If you would like to cook, but you would not like to uh, make the drive to Kernersville, please call me. Uh, I will be glad to deliver meals, um, and I um, am very, very thankful, as are they, for all of the love and care that they are receiving through the life of this congregation. Thank you so much. We are blessed this morning by the music ministry of Beth Chapman that enables Jill and Jake to be home together uh, post-surgery uh, that took place on Thursday and have an esteemed veteran who is going to be leading Quirky, our hymn singing, uh, and we are very, very grateful, especially on this Memorial Day weekend. Will you please stand for our call to worship and pray responsively with me? Almighty God, before whom stand the living and the dead, we, your children, whose mortal life is but a hand's breath, give thanks to you. For all those through whom you have blessed our pilgrimage, whose lives have empowered us, whose influence is a healing grace, we lift, we up, lift thankful up thankful hearts. hearts. For the dear friends and family members whose faces we see no more, but whose love is with us forever, we, we lift, lift up, up thankful, thankful hearts. For the teachers and companions of our childhood and youth, and for the members of our household of faith who worship you now in heaven, we lift up thankful, thankful hearts. hearts. For those who sacrifice themselves, our brothers and sisters who have given their lives for the sake of others, we lift, we lift up, up thankful, thankful hearts, hearts. That we may hold them all in continual remembrance and ever think of them as with you in that city whose gates are not shut by day, and where there is no night. We, we lift, lift up, up thankful hearts. Our opening <clears throat> hymn is God of the Ages, found in the Red Hymnals on page 698.
and our hearts in the prayer for Memorial Day. Eternal God, as we gather to worship you this Memorial Day weekend, we are mindful of those who have laid down their lives in service of country. We ask for your strength that we might dedicate ourselves to perfecting your kingdom of peace and justice among nations. We give thanks for the many blessings of freedom which we possess, purchased at the cost of many lives and sacrifices. Fill us with courage to fulfill our tasks and in no way break faith with the fallen. We commend these fallen to your mercy and ask that you grant them eternal peace. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to ask for the attention of the children for children's time. This is Memorial Day weekend. It is a time when we have a few extra days off because Monday is Memorial Day, so we usually have a three-day weekend, and uh, it's a wonderful time to get away. But it's also an important day to remember, a time to remember. Remembering is one of the most sacred things that we get to do as human beings. This morning I brought with me a challenge coin. Um, challenge coins actually began in World War I and they were given to uh, people who were serving in the military as identification. Now mostly people collect challenge coins um, just as, as collectibles and they usually, you have them for pretty much all of the different military kinds of service. This particular challenge coin was given to me by the commanding officer of SEAL Team 2. Uh, those are um, special forces in the Navy. And I have one that was given to me by the, the commanding officer of SEAL Team 8. Um, I um, met both of those men back in Arlington, and I know that um, that both of them uh, have lost a lot of friends who have served. And I have a challenge coin of the USS Stonewall Jackson, which is the, the nuclear ballistic submarine that my father commanded. Um, my father stayed safe all throughout his military service, um, but there were submarines like the Thresher that went out to sea and did not come back. Um, and I actually have a, um, a bunch of challenge coins that come from Harrier squadrons, because I've had friends who have flown uh, those, those, those aircraft. Uh, if you've ever seen those, they take off, they can take off like a regular plane, or they can take off like a helicopter. Um, they don't have helicopter blades, but they can force air down with so much pressure that it will lift the aircraft up so that they can take off without a runway. It's kind of amazing. And um, my friends who, who are Harrier pilots, they um, were in the air after 9-11. You're too young to remember 9-11. It was 20 years ago, almost. But, um, but it was a very scary time in our country. And, and so 24 hours a day, there were there were pilots flying um, to keep our borders secure and safe. Um, I also have a challenge coin from the Martinsville police. Um, that's also a, a job where you know, people put themselves in danger to keep other people safe. And if you visit the Martinsville police department, uh, you will see in one of the hallways leading to the chief's office that they have the pictures of those who, who died while they were serving as police officers. Um, all, of these, all of these men and women have in common that they are keeping people safe, some of whom they know, but some of whom they don't. And they do it at great personal cost, and they do it willing to uh, do whatever they have to do to keep us all safe. Uh, they do it all the time. If you call 911 at 4 o'clock in the morning and say that you need police, they're not going to say, well, oh, oh, we're sorry. Our police officers are all asleep right now. No, they have police officers that are working all the time. 
And there are people in the Army and the Coast Guard and the Air Force and the Navy who are working all the time to keep us safe. And so on Memorial Day, we remember those who, who actually died keeping us safe. The very least that we can do is remember. The most important thing that we can do is to remember. In the church, remembering is a very sacred thing. We have certain days in our church year that are given to us just to remember. Good Friday, Good Friday is the day that we remember Jesus died, and we have that special day to remember his death and to think about him all day. We also have a special day on our church calendar called All Saints Day, when we remember people from our own congregation who have died over the course of the year, and also people special to members of the congregation who have joined the church eternal, who are with God in heaven, but who helped us and taught us a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus. And Jesus said that greater, lo greater love hath no man or woman than that they lay down their life for their friends. Today, Memorial Day weekend, is a time when we remember that that is true. And so, while it's a long weekend and we're relaxing, let us also take the time to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice to keep us all safe. Thank you for your attention. I will see you next week. We have a video now about Vacation Bible School, which will be coming up later this summer. This Vacation Bible School has a, a wonderful theme. It's going to be great fun, and it will begin on July 25th, which is a Sunday, and continue through Thursday. So uh, children and their families especially, please attend to this video. about Vacation Bible School, please see Kelly Wilson. Kelly, will you wave your hand so everyone knows where you are? Or Annette Huckfelt. Annette, wave your hand so people know where you are. And they will um, share information about how to register and, and how to get involved. It's going to be really, really fun, and I hope that, that all of the children of our congregation, grandchildren, friends of, of members of the church will join together in that very special and fun day. I mean, fun week. Thank you. Let us go to God in prayer as we prepare to receive his holy word. Eternal God, who created all things from the void, teach us to know the power of silence and of prayer. Fill our emptiness with your peace and your love and fill our darkness with your light. Fulfill in us the potentials for which we were born and were called into your church. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is found in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, beginning with the first verse. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds, thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Our gospel lesson this morning is found in the third chapter of John's gospel, beginning with the first verse. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's be seated. This morning's gospel text and text from Isaiah invite us to ask ourselves how we know who we are. What defines us? The information that is in my passport the information found in my resume? Is it my skill set? Is it my family? Is the answer to be found in me as an individual, or, it is, or is it to be found in a constellation of my relationships? That I am a daughter and a sister, an aunt, a pastor, and a friend. I remember a story from way back when George Herbert Walker Bush was the president. He was concerned about health care for the elderly, and he was followed by a horde of media. He visited one time a, a, a nursing home to draw attention to that need. Walking down a hallway, the president stopped to 
visit with various residents as reporters and photographers captured everything. And one elderly gentleman was sitting by the door of his room and, and the president stopped and chatted with him for a few minutes. And it became clear that the, the, this elderly gentleman was in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And after a few conversational exchanges, the president leaned over to the, gen the gentleman and, and gently asked, do you know who I am? No, the man said, shaking his, hand, his, his head, but then he brightened up and offered the president some advice. If you go to the front desk, they can tell you who you are. If the president had done so, I suspect he would have been told that he was the president, that, in other words, he would have been identified by his job title. That was just a facet of his identity, though. When I served in my first appointment, three small churches on the eastern shore of Virginia, one's identity resided with one's people. Who are your people? I would be asked. Foss is not a shore name. So I was labeled a come here, and I figured that in order to, to be relieved of that label, to no longer be a come here on the shore, uh, you have to live there for at least 50 years. I also find it a tough question for someone like me um, because I was adopted. So I spent a lot of time as a child wondering who my people were. I would study people's faces to see if we had similar features, thinking that I might discover a close relative that way. In Sunday school, we learned that we would be reunited with our families in heaven. The teacher, I think, was trying to offer us a comforting vision of life after death, but it kept me up at night for a long time. Far from being comforted, I was worried about which family I would be reunited with, the family I knew and loved, or my birth family whom I didn't know. Carol O'Connor, the actor who played Archie Bunker, was once asked in an interview about his adopted daughter. The interviewer wanted to know if, if his daughter knew that she was adopted. And he said yes. And the, interview, the interviewer asked, well, how did, you, how did you tell her she was adopted? And so Carol O'Connor shared the, the explanation. He told his little girl about growing up with his parents, whom she knew well, in a home and in a family marked by its love and affirmation, and said that, that her mother also had this kind of family. But when they became adults, he and her mother discovered that they were filled with love to share. And then they met each other and they fell in love, so they decided to adopt one another. They got married and had a family, and then they discovered that they had even more love than they needed. And when they found out they could not have any more children, naturally, they were really sad. Then they had met her, and they immediately fell in love with her. So they adopted her. There was no one in the family who was related by blood. All of them, all three of them, were adopted, and all three of them were loved. Do you know who you are? What defines you? Perhaps we could go to the front desk and find out. Our texts for today tell us that we are the very ones for whom God took on flesh and blood and revealed what it means to be accepted, even though fully known, to be complete as individuals and completely connected, to be whole, to be healthy, and capable of loving as we are loved, people at home wherever we are, people with an experience of forgiveness that empowers us to forgive and start anew. Our Old Testament lesson tells the story of the call of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is the high priest who enters the inner sanctum of the temple, a majestic place that even he was only allowed to be in once a year. Rather than feeling all high and mighty because of this access, Isaiah is terrified. The only thing he can say is, woe is me. He had to have gone through ritual cleansing to get where he was, right there in the Holy of Holies, 
but Isaiah knew otherwise. And so as Sarah flies to him with a burning coal and touches it to Isaiah's lips, declaring that your guilt has, has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then Isaiah hears the Lord asking a fundamental question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah has to go back from the quarry from which he was mined. Me? Am I the one to be sent? Who am I and why me? It is the year 736 BCE and it is a time of national crisis. King Uzziah has died. Isaiah is mourning for himself and for his people. And in the midst of his grief, personal and collective, when he overhears God speaking, he responds by stepping forward without hesitation. God then gives him a job to do, to deliver words of judgment, not to call people to repentance, but to prevent them from being repentant. It's a terrible, heart-wrenching job. God tells Isaiah that the judgment will not be the last word, though, that there will be destruction, there will be cleansing, but there will also be renewal and rebirth. So for Isaiah, his identity now becomes the words that he is given to speak. Remember that prophets believe that their words have genuine power because their words were the human utterance of God's word, Words change the course of human events. That's kind of difficult for us to wrap our heads around because we are surrounded with lots of words every day, many of which don't mean what, much, and we can filter them any way that we like. If we don't like what we're hearing, we can change the channel. We can hear the news from a number of perspectives and commentary on it from a number of perspectives. Words are everywhere, and filters are everywhere. But we also know that words can change reality. When a pastor says to a couple, I now pronounce you husband and wife, reality changes. When a surgeon comes into the waiting room and says to the family, I'm sorry, we could not save her, reality changes. When somebody stands in a courtroom and a jury foreman reads a single word, whether guilty or innocent, reality changes. Prophetic words gain conviction and force when expressed out of genuine piety. They must be offered with love as when Isaiah mourns his people. This tells us more about Isaiah's identity, that it is found in his prophetic word, but also in the depth of love in his heart for his people. Prophetic words, when spoken out of love and out of a deep experience of prayer, call hearers of those words, us today, to ask some foundational questions. What now? Who am I? Where am I going? What am I being called to do? These are questions that we ask sometimes at the times of most great loss, illness, or the loss of a loved one, just like in Isaiah's time following the death of King Uzziah. Who are we? Who are we to love? Why are we to live? What are we called to do now? Frederick Buechner says that when asked these questions, we listen. We listen to voices outside of us, and we listen for the still, small voice within us. We listen for a voice that will take us to a holy place where the world's great hunger and our deep gladness meet. That is the place to which we are called. That is where we find out who we truly are. Because the world's great hunger and our deep gladness take many forms, it will be a different place for each and every one of us. It is a place where we are most authentic. It is the place where we are most alive. But what if you really don't know? You might pray for the certainty of a call. You might envy people who have a clarity about who they are and what they want to do from this time forward. 
In our gospel lesson this morning, Nicodemus had clarity, but he knew that the answers that he had chosen for his life weren't enough. He was still searching, and Jesus messed up his certainties. Jesus asked him some foundational questions, and Nicodemus first tried answering sarcastically and cluelessly, only to find conviction in the mystery. He joined a long list of biblical characters who were in the same situation. Moses had received a message from the burning bush, but no clear game plan. Abraham was told to pack up everything and everyone in his life and hit the road without a map. The bottom line is, however we spend our time, what we do is supposed to be a partnership with God. It looks less like an outline and more like an open road. We are called by the hungers of the world, and how our lives will unfold is a mystery that we live into. But here's something important. Never alone. We never live into the mystery alone. It requires attention to glimpse God at work beside us. We have to pay attention to life and where we are and who we're with, what we're doing. Doors will open and doors will close, guiding us in the unexpected directions of our lives. Frederick Buechner also wrote this. In the year that King Uzziah died, or in the year that John F. Kennedy died, or in the year that somebody you loved died, you go into the temple if that is your taste, or you hide your face in the little padded temple of your hands, and a voice says, Whom shall I send into the pain of the world where people die? If you are not careful, you may find yourself answering, send me. You may hear the voice then say, well, go then. Just go. Isaiah was called to give voice to God's word following the death of King Uzziah. This weekend, we too are called We are called to remember during a time of national remembering. Memorial Day ensures that the conflicts that have shaped our nation's character will not pass from our national memory. It reminds us that those conflicts have a cost, measured in the loss and upheaval of of human lives. We set aside time on Memorial Day to reflect on all the consequences of that cost, remembering that it would be even greater without the dedication of those who have served, even died for the safety of others. We hold the task of preserving those memories as a sacred trust, and to remember and to honor the sacrifice of all who have died to preserve them. And then we go forth into a broken world on a long holiday weekend that calls us to remember but also to respond We go into a world where people die, where people are born and people die, into a world that houses God in every single face, in every word, in every hand. God is calling, God is beckoning you to be the love you were created to be in a world that needs to know that God is here. The need The desire of the world for the love within you answers, what next? And send me is the answer to what next. May your calling, whatever it happens to be, be shaped by blessed memory and a desire to serve the God who loves you immeasurably. Thanks be to God. Amen. Who 
As we move into a time of prayer, after hearing Jake's singing, I wanted to share with you a message from Jill. She writes, Jake's surgery went for six hours this past Thursday, and half the brain tumor was removed. Amazingly, he was discharged the next day and continues to recover in the comfort of our home. This next week, he starts his eye occupational sessions for the continued vision impairment and has his first oncology visits, which will outline the next six weeks of chemo and radiation treatment, which is the next step in his recovery. Jill and Jake are in good spirits and would want you all to know that your constant prayers, cards, messages, and gifts are a daily blessing to them both in this tender time. Continue to claim the miracle of Jake's complete healing as he desires to continue in music ministry. They send you all so much love. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pause for a moment of silence as we remember and honor those who died while serving their country in the armed forces. Merciful God, we recognize those who made the ultimate sacrifice, putting the welfare of others ahead of their own safety. We are grateful and humbled by their actions. Strengthen and comfort their friends and family members as they remember and grieve. Lord, we lift up Jake and Jill. We lift up Jake as he begins his recovery, and we give you thanks that they have found peace and strength in your word, in your presence, and in the life of this congregation. We pray that you will continue to offer them your strength and comfort beyond our understanding as they move from this time of surgery where they were so, so well served by the medical team and now move into this time of recovery with a new team whom we pray will be moved by 
your guidance. Please be in their hands and hearts as they tend to Jake. And please be with us as we surround them with our love and care. We pray for others in our congregation who are recovering. We pray that you will knit them together in love and that you will help us to serve them. As our text from Isaiah taught us, we are called to do. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Will you please stand and affirm your faith with the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Before we sing our closing hymn, America the Beautiful, I wanted to uh, share, I, I meant to do this earlier in the service, that on May 28th, all of our precautions and protocols change so that anyone who is fully vaccinated uh, is invited not to wear a mask in worship if that is what they choose to do. Unvaccinated people are encouraged to continue to mask, and those with any health conditions or concerns uh, may still, of course, continue to mask. Let us now sing America the Beautiful, found on page 696 in your red hymnals.
Thank you for blessing us. And now may the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. And may the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the postlude. Thank you.